0: Welcome to The Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to The Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. Live and Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 50. We're going to begin on page 175, A New Way of Life. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Jennifer W., jump on in, introduce yourself, please.
1: Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is November 27th, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California.
0: Thanks, Jennifer. What's happening, Jane?
2: Hey, everybody, and Jane A. here. Uh, I'm an addict, and I live in Salem, Oregon, and my clean date is 12-22-79.
0: Thanks, Jane. What's happening, Barb?
2: Hey, Douglas, I'm Barbar.
3: Uh, my clean date is 10 4 I live in the panhandle of Florida and my home group is open mine.
0: Thanks, Barbara What's up, Lisa?
4: Hey, I'm Lisa. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. I'm from Central Western PA.
0: Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Lee P?
5: Hey, Douglas, Lee P, addict. Uh, my, my home group is at the virtual meeting of Open Mind, too, Barb. And my clean date is eight
0: twenty seven eighty seven. 87. Thanks, Doug. All right. Thanks, Lee. And now we have Paul and Natalie coming in. Natalie's our guest for the next two weeks. What's up, folks? Hey, I'm Paul M.
6: I'm, I'm an addict. My clean date is January 6, 1995. Uh, I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana, and my home group is Open Mind. Hey, y'all. My name is Natalie. I'm
7: an addict. Uh, my home group is Second Chance in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. My clean date is December 1st, 2017.
0: All right. Thanks. And thanks for joining us, Natalie Maddick. My name is Douglas. I got clean March 12th, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, let's go. Episode 50, Living Clean Study for the Anonymous podcast. I'm going to begin on page 175, A New Way of Life, and Paul is going to facilitate. Take it away, Paul. All right, thanks, Douglas. So we've, the payoff is finally here, boys and girls.
6: We get a new way of life after all this hard work that we've been reading over the past whatever, how many hours. So let's, uh, let's have Lisa H. start with the first, let's see, two paragraphs, and that goes on to the second page there. So the first two paragraphs, Lisa, and start us off on a new way of life.
4: All right, a new way of life. Our literature tells us that we become acceptable, responsible and productive members of society, but it also cautions that social acceptability does not equal recovery. Both statements are true, but they are not mutually exclusive. We each measure being a productive member of society in our own way. Our ideas of success are as individual as we are. We start at different places and our destinations are just as varied. We know how to do some things very well and others not at all we may enter recovery with a career still in place, or it may be that getting a steady place to live is a big step. We have this in common. We want to be free. We want to feel accepted and respected without pretending to be anything other than who we are. No matter what our accomplishments, the principles by which we live will sustain or destroy us. Shots fired, Paul. Um, So, um, this whole social acceptability piece um, has been something that uh, has been a big theme for me in recovery overall. Um, and I've been sharing about this a lot lately. I made a lot of mistakes in early recovery, um, chasing what I thought was social acceptability, right? Because um, I thought like, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to get clean. And I'm going to do what normal people do, or what I think normal people do, right? Like, I'm going to, you know, get married and buy a house and fill it with babies and, you know, work and pay my bills. Um, and, you know, like the interesting thing is like, I did have some of those things in early recovery, but I didn't come about them the right way um, or with the right motives. You know, like I got clean in February. I met a boy in April, you know, that whole like no relationships in the first year threw that right out the window. Two weeks after I met him, I moved in with him married him, you know, did all the things, right? Paul's cheering me on over here. Thanks guys. Um, You know, and uh, it failed, you know, because I I jumped into what I thought, right? My complete mystery to me, um, because I jumped into what I thought was social acceptability before I even knew who I was gonna become in recovery, right? So like this, this idea of like defining success on an individual basis, um, you know, I, I got confused with like the money, property, and prestige when I was in early recovery, right? Like I wanted things to look really good on the outside, but they were a fucking disaster on the inside. You know, none of that stuff filled my spirit, right? Like they talk about like that God-sized hole. Um, you know, I didn't have any of the principles of the program at play in my life. So I, I fucked a lot of stuff up and I hurt a lot of people, um, You know, so like I had to come to this place through sponsorship and step work and staying in Narcotics Anonymous through the pain, right? Like that has been a huge theme for me is like staying in my process, no matter how bad it hurts um, and letting other people give me suggestions on how to move through that stuff, you know, and like where I once valued like our big house and all of our cars and my big old diamond ring, you know, like those things just aren't as important to me anymore um, now as like having a home that is peaceful and filled with love where we are fully present in the moment. Like we can sit down with a meal and set our cell phones aside and like ask our kids, like what's on your mind today? You know, and those are the things that like that fellowship piece, um, you know, that's the stuff that like really fills my soul today. and, And that's where I find, you know, success in recovery. Um, So I think that speaks to the idea that these principles sustain or destroy me and my experience. You know, when I'm applying the principles of the program, um, I'm sustained and all my needs are provided for. And with that, I'll pass.
6: Thanks, Lisa. Jennifer, jump on in.
1: Thanks, Paul. Um, And I wanted to kind of hit on what Lisa was hitting on, too, right? Like, I came to Narcotics Anonymous. And it says here, we start at different places and our destinations are just as varied. You know, I was 16 or 17 when I got clean. I didn't have career, a house. I mean, I didn't even, I mean, I didn't have anything. You know, when I when I got clean, I had a suitcase that my mom packed for me to go to treatment. And three quarters of it is some stuff that she bought because all my stuff was scattered everywhere. And, and I didn't have much, you know, until my, when it talks about, you know, um, you know, just having a place like to land, like that was me, you know, I didn't have a place to land when I got clean, you know, I ended up moving back in with my mom. And, and as time went on, um, you know, my idea of social acceptability or being a productive member of society was like very similar to what Lisa was talking about. Like I thought I had to do all of this stuff, right. I had to get married. I had to have kids. I had to have a career that maybe I didn't love, you know, to have that, um, to have all of those things, because it looked good on the outside, right, and that's how I grew up, you know, that's what I was taught, and and, and, and what the one thing that it talks about, we have this in common, we want to be free, right, like, I was tied down to these ideas and thoughts um, of what I thought I should be, and I wasn't free, you know, in recovery, I tied myself down and created an environment where I wasn't thriving, and I wasn't happy, and I, for a long time, didn't know how to get out of it, but the good news is, is that I stayed long enough, and I kept you know, kept trying, kept working, kept, kept doing the things that I was taught how to do. And I finally got to that place, you know, and, and it takes what it takes to get where we get, right? And the one thing I did perfectly was not use, right? Um, you know, Douglas says it all the time, you know, this is all about abstinence and 12-step work, right? If I did nothing else, I did those two things and I've managed to stay. And in that, I've learned a lot of lessons and I've made a lot of mistakes, um, you know, and I have, you know, my idea of what an acceptable, responsible and productive member of society today at 47 versus what it was when I was 17 is very different. And, um, and I am free, you know, and I am doing the things that Lisa talks about, right? Like my, my home is quiet and my home is peaceful. I mean, even with teenagers as peaceful as that can be. And it also is a place where I'm present and able to um, be there for my children, you know, and I'm not stuck in that in that place anymore where instead of doing what I think I need to do I'm doing what you know my heart wants me to do I'm doing what my kids need me to do you know as opposed to this idea of of being the certain person in a certain thing and um and it's beautiful you know and and I didn't know I could ever experience this and I'm having like a whole new I'm experiencing a whole new life in recovery you know who knew that we could continue to grow and change um, and have this, you know, and, 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 I, and I really, you know, at the end, it says, no matter our accomplishments, the principles by which we live on will sustain or destroy us, you know, and I saw that the, the way that I was living in recovery was the quote-unquote right way in my head, but it was destroying me, and now I'm learning how to live by the principles that are sustaining me and giving me the freedom I've so desired for so long, so with that, I'll pass, thanks. Thanks,
6: Jennifer Douglas.
0: Yeah, thanks, Paul. Jennifer, I was chuckling when you, when you said like how quiet a house can be with teenagers and stuff. My son has his friend over and they're in the room. And before we hit record, I was in there giving them the rundown. Don't fight. Don't break anything. Don't scream. Don't do it. I'm recording for one hour. Don't, don't think about it. So anyhow, that was kind of funny, but I, I want to, there's a connection there. I saw the productive member of society and our idea of success, really grateful. We get to define that. And, and just like you folks we're we're, we're talking about, uh, So I get to define that and and it's definitely changed. I got clean when I was 16, um, you know, and and, and now on this journey, like just getting clean, being a teenager, a productive member and like what success looked like there. I had no idea. So I needed to watch you folks. You, You folks showed me, hey, this is what a productive member looks like and this is what success could look like. And at first it was kind of the success piece was definitely like the monetary thing. I saw the dude who was wearing a suit. You know, and that was just cool, man. I, I was like, damn, you know, that, that, that would be cool to have a job each day that, to wear a suit, you know, and stuff like that. And then it gets to change, man. As I come to know myself, I get to change. But the, the, the last comment I'll make is, um, yeah, you folks hit on it really well too. The, the, the principles by which we live, sustain or destroy us. I have in the margins. Um, my, my buddy said it a few years ago, man, and it just, it, it hit my spirit so hard. If I want to know if I'm living a surrendered life, I look at myself. Am I being obedient to spiritual principles? Am I being honest? Am I being open? And am I being willing? And if I can say yes to those, I'm living a surrendered life. If not, I can see how that applies. Like not living a surrendered life, fuck up any and anything that I've worked for. It's hard to keep anything going. I'll pass. Thanks,
6: Douglas. I just. Um... Social acceptability. I I thought that would need societal norms. And as a gay man at 61, I knew that I was never going to fit into what society norms look like. I don't have any children. I'm not getting married. At least it wasn't even in the books when I was coming up uh, of getting married. That's a kind of a late thing. And I always warned against uh, uh, fighting for that because uh, then we have to get divorced too. So that was all of the issues that, uh, you know, it's like we wanna join the army and we wanna get married. Is that gonna be something we really wanna do? You know, let's we'll we'll see about that. Um, So anyway, don't confuse society norms with social acceptability. Here's the thing. One of the definitions of social needing companionship and therefore best suited to living in communities. And at the end of my using, I was not that. I was in a bathroom with my back against the door, hoping nobody tried to come in so I could fix. And I didn't know how to be in a room with people talking for an hour. It was hard to sit in that chair. So if you're in that place, you're not alone. And if you can just stay in that chair for the hour or hour and a half that that meeting goes on, it will get easier and better. And once you do that, you start to become part of this fellowship. And I thought that becoming part of the fellowship would keep me clean forever. And it did for three and a half years. But this chapter is about a new way of life. And Jane talks about that's the end of that whole thing. We do all this stuff and then we get a new way of life. And the fellowship will help me, but it will not give me a new way of life. I cannot get a new way of life from you. You can help me get to it, but I have to do the internal work of steps, traditions, concepts to get the new way of life. And so I don't need, I don't, social acceptability is important because I need it to be social but it is not recovery. That's what that statement says. And so I need to become socially acceptable to myself and to you, right? To be, to, to be able to, to keep going, but I need a new way of life and that's step work and that's internal work. And that's why I'm here. That's what I want. That's the end game. So if you're new and you're going to a meeting every day, and you're sitting in that chair for that hour, that's exactly what you need to do. And then if you want a new way of life, pick up a book, get a sponsor, start some writing. So we're gonna move on. Uh, Next two paragraphs, Natalie, who's sitting right next to me is going to read the next two paragraphs. Go ahead, Natalie.
7: we progress in this journey by applying what we learn in recovery to the rest of our lives. 12-step calls this practice I'm sorry, 12 step, I'm sorry. Step 12 calls this practicing these principles in all our affairs. The freedom we are seeking is not some abstract thing, it's how we live. Our basic text goes on to tell us the steps do not end here. The steps are a new beginning. NA offers us the principles that will transform us and the laboratory in which we practice applying these things before we take them into the world. The work we do in the steps helps us to define our values and teaches us to work towards our goals. It doesn't matter how many times we have taken the steps, there is always something new in the work and in the reward when we do it to the best of our ability. But when we stop halfway through, we don't just miss half the gifts of recovery, we miss the point. Oddly, it's just when we come face to face with our most painful character defects that we stop surrendering. Our commitment to work the steps has consequences, whether or not we follow through. When we stop in the middle, we leave ourselves with too much awareness and not enough hope. When we see the process through, we notice that doing the work takes much less energy than avoiding the work. Amen. <laughs> uh, so there's there's a couple things that that stand out to me here. If I what it says about um, the principles that will transform us in the laboratory in which we practice applying these things. I, I feel like that relates a lot to going over step work with a sponsor that it's like, I can put these things on paper, I can process these things. Um, and then I think that relates down here to coming face-to-face with our most painful character defects that the first time I worked step six was painful for me to see those things on paper and to think about that because, um, and what it was, it was like, I was taking accountability for where I was at in life and recognizing the part that I played. And that was hard for me to absorb at first. And then I kept going with the step work. I kept doing it. Because up until that point, you know, I avoided, I actively avoided recovery for nine years. And the difference is I plowed through the work, I did it regardless of how I was feeling. And I continue to do that work. And it most definitely it takes, it is so much easier to stay here than it is to get here. <laughs> so that's yeah. all.
6: Cool. Thanks, Natalie. Anybody else? I do uh, the stopping halfway through kind of hit me right between the eyes. I relapsed uh, between a seventh and an eighth step. Uh, so y- if you're there, don't sit, get moving. <laughs> Keep moving. This is a process. Lee, jump in.
5: Thanks, Paul. Um, that was a lot of that was very interesting, and, and everybody kind of touched on it. Um, the steps are a new beginning and they offers us the principles that will transform us in the laboratory in which we practice applying these things before we can take them into the world. And Douglas and I was talking briefly about this yesterday on, on the SPAD. <clears throat> I never would have guessed that the traditions would propel me in the career, which it did totally. Um, and Sunday I was on, uh, up in D.C. clean on the screen sharing with them talking about the process, the continuum of the process and how I've watched many, many of my fellows cheat themselves because they'll start one, two, three, stop, some relapse, some don't. Uh, The ones who don't relapse and stay are some of the most miserable people I've ever encountered in my entire life. And and I wish everybody had a program, and I wish everybody practiced principles, and I wish, but wishing doesn't do this process. Doing this process is what doing this process is. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but but it's true. Uh, we leave ourselves with too much awareness and not enough hope. And I can think of of working with men who just constantly tell me the same thing week after week after week. They're aware, but they're not applying any principle to it. I probably was a little like that early on, uh, but I caught on pretty early that that the solution to my dilemmas was either contained in the steps, the traditions, and, and Paul, you mentioned the concepts. Those are those are super important too. So that's that's less than three minutes, time. Let's Actually. Uh, Barb, why don't you take us uh, to the end of this chapter in the next two
3: paragraphs, please. Sure, Paul. Thanks. Um, We surrender, accept ourselves in the moment, and graciously allow our lives to unfold. Finally, Finally, we can stop seeking the piece of the puzzle that will make it all okay. We practice living a principled life, and our journey into the world shapes itself from there. We let go of our fear of change and come to realize that we are all changing all the time. We can embrace that change and truly believe that we can stay clean no matter what. The process gets simpler. Doing the right thing comes more naturally. We try new things, exploring deeper layers inside and higher levels outside. As our values change, we change our lives. The process is like a spiral staircase. Again and again, we come to the same view, only each time we are seeing it from a different perspective. Being open to one another's viewpoints helps us to clarify our own thinking. When we put love, effort, and commitment into action, our lives miraculously change. Um, There's a lot of tools in there. Um, I like that. Finally, we can stop seeking the piece of the puzzle that will make it all okay. You know, you guys taught me it's a process, you know, and there is no destination. And um, there's no one thing that's gonna make it okay. I think um, working the steps and like Paul said, the traditions and the concepts that made it okay, that makes me okay, you know? And um, I like to change, you know, the changing, the one thing that's always, you know, inevitable is change. And, um and the process gets simpler sometimes it gets simpler sometimes it gets hard again sometimes it, it gets painful but it but it is a process you know and 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 the more i think the more i go i think this is about growing up and about practice 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 you know and, and the more i go along the um the more i stay in the process the more i keep doing the steps and i stay in the process and the right thing you know i have that i get that gut instinct and that small inner voice that i can trust more today you know and i like the layers you know it's about peeling the layers of the onion when i first came in it was that superficial stuff you know my first set of steps was just superficial stuff you know just stepping back into society and humanity and 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 um you know now it's a it's a little um different it's at a deeper level so and i like um The freedom we are seeking is not some abstract thing way back there, you know, that what I found, you know, I can remember when I used it was kind of like a hippie kind of mindset, like I want to be free, a free spirit, you know, and doing drugs and stuff helps me to do that, you know, not be constricted by society. And what I found, the further I go in um, recovery, that this is freedom, this is where I get the freedom, you know, and this is where I always say this is where I get freedom from bar because all these conditioned Con, this conditioning and these pre- preconceived notions and stuff, you know, it's about it's about um, looking at those and deciding who I want to be, you know, making choices and and not reacting responding instead of reacting, you know, things like that, you know, and, and um, that sometimes I really I just feel I do feel that freedom, you know, so that's enough for me. Thanks.
6: Yeah, uh, Barb, uh, Nelson Mandela writes that freedom is in the mind, not in the body. And that, you know, that's the thing is he, he he knows a thing or two about the body being penned up, uh, Douglas, go ahead.
0: Thanks, Paul. I was thinking about, um, as our values change, we change our, our lives. My first experience with that was when, when the, uh, the guys at 12 said me said, Hey, show up, you know, early and, uh, and set up for the meeting and stuff. And that was the transition piece for me. I was a taker up until then, always a taker, taker in active addiction and taker just getting clean. And they really instilled that principle of like takers get clean, givers stay clean. And I was able to transition, you know and that's kind of, kind of that first piece that I saw there. And then the the, the last few sentences that, that that was read reminds me of a friend, Steve A in the UK. man. said this, it, it was beautiful, man. He used the lighthouse the stairs in the lighthouse when he when he told me he said look man getting clean they gave me they gave me this box and it gave me a big stick and uh I would stand on the box and and I would beat people with the stick but going up the light like after working steps and and being you know in, in the program and and letting you folks know he said I would walk up this spiral staircase in the lighthouse situations were real similar but my perspective changed and then I knew They gave me the stick to destroy the box and then I was at I was with you people I was the same as everybody else man and it was just so beautiful and that's that's what I look at you know that's what I have in my my margins here is like Steve A man that that's that's um when I open up I become when I open up to you let you you know this and that I can see myself a little bit different um so I'll pass with that thanks Douglas Lisa jump in so
4: um, I really love that piece um, that we just touched on. Finally, we can stop seeking the piece of the puzzle that will make it all okay. Um, Cause I remember like when I was actively using, um, I constantly walked around with this feeling of like chronic emptiness, right? Um, like I was always looking for something outside of me to feel like it was beyond just like, it wasn't just, I don't wanna feel what I'm feeling right now. It was some of that, but there was also just like this ongoing sense of like lack of belonging, um, that like something was always missing, no matter like how much I had, no matter how much I used, no matter who I was with. Um, you know, I'm like the kind of person who can stand in a crowded room and still feel lonely. Um, you know, and especially working one, two, and three, like helped me make that connection with higher power, but also like with the fellowship, um, you know, cause I was the kind of person when I came into the rooms that like, I needed evidence of higher power. Right. And like, um, you know, I saw it working in the faces of other addicts and like, that was a major God experience for me. And, uh, you know, like, I don't feel that like frantic need to constantly, like, I guess gather resources or gather whatever it was I was looking for, um, to try to fill that, that sense of emptiness. Um, and I like where it says the process gets simpler and doing the right thing comes more naturally. Um, you know, I notice that the longer I stay clean, like if I do something unspiritual, I feel it right away, like in my body, like it makes me like physically sick. It makes my tummy ache. It makes my chest hurt. Um, you know, and like, I, I truly believe that that's like my inner conscience coming alive. Like the longer I stay in the process and working those steps and like uncovering and discovering those values for myself. Um, the right thing comes more naturally because the wrong thing feels so shitty now. Um, you know, like I was just wrestling with a situation, um, you know, in our area related to service. And I had reached out to some people who, you know, like people with significantly more time than me, which is really cool. And, you know, some of them kind of, kind of made me right-sized again, you know, cause I had some opinions about the situation and some people encouraged me, like, check your motives about the situation or with the person. And, um, you know, like I was finding myself like processing this with like my partner and my sponsor. And there were moments where my conscience went like, there's no model for the recovering addict. It's not my job to judge anybody else's program. Like the only requirement is the desire to stop using, Um, you know? So like, it's like my spirit just naturally like puts those things into action. Um, And that like love effort commitment piece at the end of this, the second paragraph um, you know, for me, that's like a reflection of courage, right. And that action piece is so important. Cause like, I, I can't just write about steps, you know, I can't like where I got clean. I like, I would literally still hear dudes say like, oh, I wrote about it. I don't have to worry about it. I'm good now. Um, but when I write about something, I, I become responsible for changing it. Right. I become aware, I become accountable. Um, and for me, that's an ongoing action piece. I don't ever say like, oh, I worked the steps. I'm good. You know, that's an ongoing process for me. And I'll pass. Thanks, Lisa. Jennifer.
2: I love listening
1: to everyone share tonight. Um, You know, this first sentence that we read, we surrender, accept ourselves in the moment, and graciously allow our lives to unfold was a extraordinarily hard lesson for me to learn here. And and what I mean by that is, you know, for the last year or so, I've literally lived that sentence. And nothing in my life has become more simple. Um, I don't want to say easy because I don't ever equate like life on life's terms as easy. But what I do equate with graciously allowing our lives to unfold, that letting go of every idea and thought that I thought was socially acceptable, that I thought that I was doing all of these things in my life because that's what I was supposed to do, right? And anytime I assign a woulda, shoulda, coulda, supposed to do, should do, um, I almost always end up resentful, you know, Um, because it may not be what I want to do, and I may not be speaking my truth, but this sentence basically is like, when it talks about the process getting simpler, the process has gotten simpler for me, and I used to complicate and still can complicate the fuck out of everything, you know, I can overanalyze, I can you know, make it into something it's not, you know, um, in Narcotics Anonymous, my experience has been is that big life stuff. Yeah. can often I can tackle and it's that little stuff that I overanalyzed, not making mountains out of molehill stuff, man, that's the stuff that just sets me off into madness, you know. But but back to that sentence, you know, graciously allow our lives to unfold. I've I've, I've experienced this in such a way that like, sometimes I do that Man, you should have done this a long time ago, right? Like, you should have allowed yourself this life a long time ago. Um, and what I know is, is that it took what it took for me to get where I am now. You know, and 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 when I take the "you should have done," it it makes the experience so much, um, so much better, more beautiful, you know. And 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 the gratitude that I feel, um, and I think that I exude. Really comes from this process, you know. And when it talks about the process getting simpler and doing the right thing comes more naturally, um, I have, you know, I, I can attest that that's 100% true. You know, um, I can attest to the fact that, you know, things that I did 10 years ago that I do now it makes me go oof, You know what I mean? Like, why was I okay with that? You know, and because it was a learning process for me, you know. And uh, that piece of this, you know, and it goes back to freedom. It's mentioned a couple of times in in this. Um, chapter where already where, you know, we experience this freedom. It's not an abstract thing. It's not something that we think about that we think might exist. It exists. The only person that's in the way usually is me. You know, I'm usually the one that's that's stepping into something where I don't belong or I'm doing things that I know I'm not supposed to be doing. And when I live life according to spiritual principles, when I step in and do the work, um, I you know, it talks about it. When we put love, effort, and commitment into action, our lives miraculously change. I experience all of that. You know, Narcotics Anonymous has given me the opportunity to have a beautiful life. Whether or not I live that is really up to me. You know, I get in my way all the time. And thank God, you know, that there's all these people, you know, you guys on the podcast, you know, just listening to other people um, who remind me of that, right? Because, you know, usually when I'm in my own way, I don't even see it. Um, and, and, and that piece for me, you know, w- when I allow the high, my higher power to step in and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to offer you all of this and you get a choice. You have the freedom to do what you want with it. And I actually stay in that place where I'm aligned with my higher power. I get all this stuff, you know, and, 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 and the bad news for me is, is that I have a freedom of choice and often I choose the other, you know, the other fork in the road. Um, but I always have the opportunity as long as I stay clean to go back, you know, and start over. And uh, with that, will pass. Thanks.
6: Thanks, Jen. All right, we're going to move beyond social acceptability. Jane, can you read the first three paragraphs? Three.
2: Three. Okay, we get started here. When we get here, we are told we're not interested in who your connections are, or what you have done in the past, how much or how little you have, but only in what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. Years down the line, this statement remains true. No matter where we are heading, we go about building our new lives in the same way. With time, we learn that how we get there matters more than the destination itself. One of the benefits of our experience is that we know our participation in society is a choice. How we engage with the world around us is our decision. Whether or where we want to fit in is our decision, too. Integrating into the world in a way that is comfortable for us is part of our journey, not the destination. Finding our place in society isn't the goal. It's a means by which we achieve our goals. The idea of achieving social acceptability can distract us from the great, the goal of awakening our spirits. Many of us ask ourselves to what society we want to be acceptable. Some of us understand society to be the NA itself. We find a way to make ourselves at home in NA, even if we have always been loners, skeptics, and outsiders. When we think about finding our place in the world, though, we may confront additional challenges. If we got our identity from being outsiders, the idea of joining anything can seem a little fishy. Coming back to society is a difficult step, and there may be risks involved. No one can make that decision for us. I always felt like an outsider when I was growing up. I found acceptance in drug culture. A member shared that feeling of belonging that can be a powerful draw for us. The lifestyle is sometimes harder to let go of than the drugs. I want to say I really enjoyed tonight and listening to people talking i i kept hearing myself say yeah yeah me too me too yeah yeah what lisa said that's right <laughs> and uh, so yeah so much of it, it that finding that new way of life has been a, a very slow process for me um i'm hopefully not just because i'm bullheaded but uh, also that um I wanted to fit in so bad somewhere. I wanted to be loved so badly that I learned quickly that if you quote the book and if you do lots of service work and you sponsor lots of people, um, people like you and you can fit in. And that's a truth. And you can be around here a long time quoting the book and sponsoring people and telling them how to do steps and doing service work and being mispopular on the block. Yeah, you can, you can do that. And if you're sitting out there listening to this, um, it's okay. I quoted the book for a long time before I started living the book. And, um, but if I hadn't quoted the book and read the book and did the steps over and over again, then it wouldn't have come to me more naturally as I started living the steps. And, uh, and I think that's a, a change in a lot of people's, uh, recovery when they stop just, uh talking about it, praying about it, writing about it. And they start living it. They started actually applying those spiritual principles to their lives. And, uh, and I certainly wasn't gracious about it for a long time. <laughs> you know, I made all the mistakes, uh, all the mistakes along the way. And I am so grateful to a God of my understanding. that uh, let me stay uh, clean long enough to get to the other side of it. And, you know? and lose enough of the fear of not being okay to start defining what my values were, whether they were the same as yours or not. Uh, and my ideas of what happiness is, and even if they're different than yours, And uh, and, and once I started doing that and getting that little kernel of a Jane that I liked, uh, then it was just applying those principles over and over again until I got a little more comfortable with it. And I still mess up and go crazy on the side. You know, I still have to sometimes go back even when I'm in the middle of it. And I know I'm being snarky. And I know I need to stop. I don't <laughs> I still have to go back and make amends again. And I make it try really hard to make a point of doing a face to face or at least on the phone none of this texting send it through email shit So for me so uh so if i can do it you can do it too so if you're out there l- listen up you just keep working at it. keep working at it. if you stay clean you got a chance if you stay clean you got a chance thanks
6: i love me some jane a i'll tell you that uh and i love me some
3: barb barb go ahead i love me some paul too <laughs> Um, I like this. You know, my recovery has been slow, slow, slow. First set of steps I did, I came from the streets. First set of steps I did, it was, there was a couple things I I got out of it. One is that, because I came in being a victim, that I wasn't a victim. There were a whole lot of victims, but it wasn't me. I got that. Then it was like when that woman, um, you know, just telling that woman stuff and her sharing stuff, it, for me, it was like stepping back into society saying, okay, maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to step back into the human race, you know, and it's been a slow process. I like where it says what many of us ask ourselves to what society want we want to be acceptable. You know, and that's what I've learned. It's, you know, the moral inventory. First time I heard on the four-step moral inventory, what? Until I realized it's my morals, you know, and and it's been just the last few years through doing the traditions and the concepts, you know, I, I was in our society. I stepped back, you know, into NA and stuff, but did I really look at out here in the world and start really, you know, considering myself a part of that and wanting to be a part of that, you know? And finding, you know, you guys know I'm doing rallies and stuff now, you know, I'm standing for what I believe in. I'm being a part of, you know, I'm trying to peacefully change the my small part of the world. That's what my sponsor tells me, change, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, and trying to do that. But it was only through the, the traditions and the concepts and, and redoing them that I've come to that place to even do that, to look at that. Because I was pretty self-centered and still can be, you know, and it's been a long process to get out of Barb's way, you know, and the most important thing is, um, awakening our, let's see, integrating in the world is not comfortable for us. It is part of, it, it is part of our journey, not the destination. There is no destination. I had, I came in not having a clue who Barb was through the steps. I've, I've, I've discovered who Barb was. Then I get to, I get to stand, you know, do be, be true to Barb. You know, and you guys told me if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, things like that, you know, and then I got to get self-esteem and get comfortable with Barb. And this is all taken many years, you know, and and then I got to realize that I get that hole that uh, Lisa was talking about filling. You know, I had that for a long time too, that hole in the soul, you know, and what I've realized is that when I feel that feeling now, it's go to HP, you know, it's go within, You know, it's go to you guys to a certain extent, you know, but, but I've learned that, um, you know, I got to be comfortable with who I am. I want you guys to love me. I want you guys to accept me. But guess what? It, you know, a strong woman in recovery is not dependent on whether you guys love me because there's going to be a lot of people that don't love me and don't accept me you know, and I get myself worth from me and HP and from doing the work as, as you know, you guys have said, you know, and that's been a long, slow process, but, but from coming into a woman that I was street Barb, that's all I knew. It's, you know, and my sponsor told me that's what you did, Barb. That's not who you are, but it took me a long time to get past that and to be the, the strong woman that I am today, secure in who I am. And and be and able to be true to myself, you know, and to be truly be a participating member in society and Narcotics Anonymous and my family, everything, you know, and and um, it's it's a pretty cool journey. So I love you guys. Thanks.
6: Thanks, Barb. Uh, Lee, why don't you read the next two
5: paragraphs for us? Thanks, Bob. When we take a look at what compels us to put so much emphasis on the things outside ourselves, we often find that what is driving us is fear. We are afraid of ourselves, afraid of the world, and afraid someone will find out how afraid we are. We hide behind all sorts of screens, form rigid social conformity to outright hostility. For people who have been through so much, we can be extraordinarily sensitive. We mistakenly believe that social acceptability can give us immunity from the pain that seems to come with caring about what other people think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Figuring out our strengths and weaknesses can be tricky. Sometimes they look a lot alike. All of us are missing pieces. All of us are missing pieces and parts. Some of us have a long way to go just to learn the most basic principles of appropriate behavior, while others have mastered the art of of covering whatever might be wrong with a coat of lipstick or leather. We can get caught up in looking good or projecting an image of who we wish we were. If we allow things outside ourselves to define who we are, we end up like a tree with no roots. At the first storm, we are liable to come crashing down. When seeking approval becomes more important than recovery, we are more vulnerable to relapse than we recognize. <clears throat> and I i really strongly identify with a lot of this from early recovery. Um, someone someone told me, I don't know, 90, 100 days, I was like a dressed up garbage can. And man, did that hurt. Cause you know, I put so much emphasis on the outside at the time. I had hair and footwear. You know fly clothes and all that kind of stuff and and it's interesting because there were a a group of people in an a maybe 10 or 12 members who were like the socialites of, of this place where i got clean and and of course early on you know 90 days i wanted to be like them I wanted to drive a BMW, I wanted to wear nice suits. Like I heard Doug say something about the guy with the suit. We had a guy who wore really nice clothes uh, and I wanted to be like them. And I didn't become uh, a part of the group. I I was being guided through sponsorship and into the steps. And so <clears throat> that that fell away early on, That that desire to you know, Paul remembers riding on the streetcar parties and all that kind of foo 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 shit. Um, and then somewhere along the way, when I became really super successful in outside society, those things once again became important. But I didn't see it for a very long time. The 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 conquest of of of, of corporate America. The uh, must have a certain amount of assets in order to uh, be complete, multiple mortgages. Uh, I was talking about this the other day, again, and and all of this stuff ended up owning me and the stress of it, you know, oh God, I gotta make this big, huge nut every month or else I'm gonna lose stuff and then I'm not gonna be who I am, came crashing down because I had a, a heart attack in 2004. And, and in retrospect, it was my higher power saying, none of that stuff is really what matters. None of it. You can only live in one house at a time. Why well, have multiple houses, you know, or having three vehicles and, and only can drive one at a time. I mean, it was just a lot of uh, fear. I got it now. I don't want to lose it. Um, and so I drove myself. And, and this is while doing step work and doing sponsorship and doing service work. I used to do an h i commitment at the jail in Dallas every other Wednesday. So I was, in, I was enmeshed in the program, but I lost sight of what was real. And, and right around 04, 05, 06, uh, a lot of stuff happened and a lot of loss happened. And my higher power kind of uh, guided me onto the right track. So that's, that's way more than three minutes. Thanks. Thanks, Lee.
1: Jennifer? Um, man, when we talk about, you know, the things outside of ourselves and what drives us to, um, you know, think that that's somehow going to define who we are. You know, I can appear confident on the outside if I look the part, right? That's kind of like how I grew up. and 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 I grew up in this place where, like, everything looks good, you know, and I put it right here, look good you know, the look good was the thing that was ingrained in me and, and through a a good portion of my recovery, it has overshadowed, you know, either, um, what I desire or what, um, you know, or something, something that I want to do outside of what would look good, you know, um, and, and when I read, you know, we mistakenly believe that social acceptability can give us immunity from the pain that seems to come with caring about what other people think. It was like, like a sucker punch, like it took my breath away, you know. Um, you know, I, I was so wrapped up in that for so long. And, and, in, and in my head where I went was, you know, I was doing all of the right things. I, it goes back to those shoulds. I should, I should, I should, I should. And, and there are, are big pieces of my life you know, where I'm I'm really happy with some of the things I did. And, and a lot of that has to do with my kids and raising them. But a lot of the things that I was doing, you know, literally killing myself, right? Like not sleeping, you know, you know, I can overcommit myself in narcotics anonymous and I can overcommit myself in, in outside issues in my life, you know, PTA president, uh, soccer mom, you know, assistant coach, you know, scorekeeper for baseball. And, and all of that are things that I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do them in a fashion that didn't come out as this, like all of this outside stuff, that's what made me who I was, that's what made me a better person. And there are pieces of that that did, but my motives were, I wanted everybody to think I had it together. I wanted everybody to think that I was this perfect, you know, mom, that I came into recovery and I got clean and I'm going to live this perfect life And, and it was far from perfect. Um, and again, there are pieces of that that I'm so grateful that I got to experience with my children. There are, are pieces of my life, you know, growing up. You know, I always say growing up in Narcotics Anonymous felt like I was growing up in like this show in public, you know what I mean, in front of everybody. And and I was afraid that everybody would say, oh, well, she came in. You know, this was my biggest fear. And this is what came out for me. Everybody saw me when I was young and I was a hot mess and I walked in the doors and I had no idea what I was doing. And if I was not successful, and I'm talking about on the outside, that somehow that meant that I wasn't a good recovering addict right? I created what the model should be in my head, not for anybody else, for me. And that fear of, if you knew who I was, if you knew how I felt, if you knew that I was, you know, scared all the time that I wasn't doing anything right, that somehow that would discount who I was or would discount my recovery. Um, You know, and and what I've had to learn over time is, is, is that is all of this stuff that, you know, makes me human, and and when I share it with others, you know, um, being able to relate, being able to be honest, being able to be transparent, and being able to not
2: be perfect—that's
1: so much fucking easier. Like, if somebody would have told me that was so much easier 20 years ago, I mean, sure, my life would be different. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? But I thought that you know what I mean. Like, I thought n- not being perfect was somehow this this badge of shame that I had to wear. You know, and um man, look, getting caught up and looking good and projecting an image who we wish we were is just not where I want to live anymore. Um, I want to project who I am as a person, um, you know, whether or not I'm dressed to the dines or I'm, you know, wearing sweats and a dirty t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to project some image that is false. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I wrote this here. Um, I put more is better, right? So like in an in, in active addiction more drugs, you know, more attention on me, more, 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 me, 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 me. Man, I experienced that same stuff in recovery just with different stuff, you know what I mean? More money, more cars, you know, if I had a better house, if I had a nicer lawn, if I had all that stuff, that would somehow more would be better. Um, and man, once I finally let go of that idea, again, being not being perfect is probably the most amazing thing that's happened to me in recovery. It's finally coming to that realization that's not attainable. That's not who I
4: am. And that's okay. Um, With that, I'll pass.
6: Thanks, Jen. Lisa?
4: I relate so much to what you guys both just shared. Um, I have like that whole, like first paragraph basically highlighted. Um, And you know, that whole idea of like losing ourselves in service for like outward approval. Like I was taught that that's the difference between recovery-based service and service-based recovery, you know, like, am I doing the right things for the right reasons? Or am I doing it with the motive of like being seen and like, look at her, what a great person she is. Look at all the people she sponsors, you know, like captain recovery shit. Um, you know, and I think there are moments where like, if I've done that in the past, you know, like I relate to this paragraph so hard because like year after year for me, like fear is constantly my most, Um, noticeable or out there character defect. It keeps coming back year after year and it changes its face. It changes how it shows up in my life. Um, You know, like, and it talks about afraid of ourselves, afraid of the world, afraid someone will find out how afraid we are. You know, I think sometimes in my recovery, like I can struggle with, um, you know, like knowing how fucked up in the head I am and like the idea of like, if you find out how fucked up I am, you know, you're not going to love me the way that you say you do. And, um, you know, like the, the really reassuring thing about narcotics anonymous is like, y'all are just as fucked up as me. Some of y'all are maybe more fucked up than me. Right. Um, and like, that's cool. Cause like, we can love each other through that, but you know, the idea of like this, this like chameleon thing, right? Like it ranges from conformity to hostility, you know, like I can people please, or, you know, I can be super pissed off and push you away. Right. Cause like keeping you at arm's length makes it so that like, I don't have to be vulnerable with you. You know, I can hurt you before you can hurt me and you might never get close enough to decide to reject me. Right. It's like it's like, I'm going to stay in control of those relationships and those situations before like you have any freedom of choice and how you're going to function with me. Um, and you know, like this line about figuring out our strengths and weaknesses can be tricky and how they can look a lot alike. Um, you know, I'm, I'm learning through inventory and ongoing step work that a lot of the times my biggest defects are also my biggest assets. Right. Because like my fear, like I'm constantly afraid, you know, but like I keep doing the difficult things anyway, you know, and I think that that's like, for me, courageous action, because I, I can only be brave when I'm afraid, you know, and I, you know, if I'm not scared, what's the point of that, you know? Um, so I keep, you know, like pushing through that um, because at the end of the day, like the only person that really truly has to approve of me is me right? Like I lay down at the end of the day with myself. Um, And, you know, that's some of the freedom that like Narcotics Anonymous gives me is like, I can be a whole person, regardless of whether or not I feel like I'm complete, because like, I'm complete by embracing the journey, right? And like, that's what it's about for me, um, is about that ongoing process. Like there's no real end destination or end game in my recovery. And, uh, you know, that's really reassuring, because I think, You know, every step of the way, something, you know, increasingly beautiful is revealed to me, but, you know, uh, for people who have been through so much, we can be extraordinarily sensitive, right? It doesn't mean I'm not going to bitch and complain along the way. Um, you know, my friend, Will, who does the guiding principle study looked at me at dinner the other night and was like, are you trying to be offended? You know, and it like rocked my shit for a second. Cause yes, a lot of the times I am trying to be offended. Right. Right. Um, but I don't have to sit in that, right? There's people who love me enough to tell me the truth today, um, who walk with me through that fear. And I'm really grateful for that.
6: Thanks, Lisa. You know, and that's the thing. Authenticity is the key for me here. Authenticity, like the the truth, the truth about me. And I always thought that being authentic was a barrier to love. And it's not, it's an entry. When somebody takes the risk to tell me the truth. And I take the risk to tell the truth about what's going on with me. That's when I know. Oh, you don't want, we don't love you in spite of this. We love you because of this. And that was a, that was the game changer in Narcotics Anonymous is like, I thought as soon as y'all found out that keep coming back would stop. And you know what? It became louder as soon as I told the truth about what was going on. So we're a little short on time here. Douglas, uh, how about just the next paragraph and uh, comment, please? Sure, thanks, Paul.
0: Uh, Getting the outsides right is not only about wanting approval. Uh, I'm sorry, let me start that. Getting the outsides right is not only about wanting approval, though, we're learning to respond appropriately to life. Many of us mask low self-esteem with inappropriate behavior. Often we assume that other people will do what we did in our worst moments. We push people away for fear they will see us as we see ourselves, allowing ourselves to appear in the world as we are is a big step. We're mindful of our behavior and our surroundings without giving up our individuality, but we also begin to let our guard down, let people in and share who we are. We find What we find of course, is that when we are less afraid and tend to be less frightening to others, ultimately the issue isn't how society accepts us, but whether we accept society and our role in it, um, and, and I'll tie this paragraph for my comments, I'll tie this paragraph in the with the preceding to um, really, really um, have low self-esteem, always have my whole I don't I think when I got clean, I had no self-esteem. And then it was like, you know, then I can start with a little bit of low self-esteem and then, you know, kind of build up from that. But it, you know, it's a really cool a couple paragraphs back. That's a cool way to look at fear afraid of myself, afraid of the world, and then afraid someone's going to find out how afraid I am. You know, fear is always like in two branches, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to lose something I have or not obtain something I want. You know, that's the two buckets that fear always resides in with me. But that was really neat. Find a lot of comfort in. All of us are missing pieces and parts. Um, But I want to hit on this, man. And and, and Paul, I'll kick it back to you. Because like some of us have a long way to go just to learn the most basic principles, you know, in in that piece. And then how sensitive. Got clean, really... When I got clean, I came in with like no sense of personal hygiene. My, you know, and, and I, I stutter, always hated my voice. I would avoid anything, whether it was in school and all that shit to to not read, not not to get up in front of the class. To fuck off, I would do that stuff. But like to do a, pre- you know, to do a presentation or something, I'd avoid it with my life. i do that for a living now. You know what I mean? It's wild, like what recovery can 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 do. But check this out. Got clean, man. I, I, no personal hygiene. I smelled really bad in my teeth had really distinct stains on them. Talk and smile like this, covering my mouth, man, all the time. Or it had that one smile where, you know, it's like that, you know, covering my teeth and stuff. And and just, and and I was, and I had guys, man, who 12 said me were like, did you brush your teeth? You know, they kind of they had dandruff real bad. Didn't really understand the whole thing about, you know, shampoo and conditioner and maybe some shit other than the dollar store deodorant. You know, the little gel that you click up, shit don't work you know, but that's what I, that, that's what I had, um, and that was, and that was tough, man, and for people who have been through so much, we, we can be extraordinarily sensitive, I'll tell you, man, one, one time a dude told me that I, and I'm clean for a little while now, you know, and I didn't really uh, understand that you can't leave your, your, your clothes dry in the washing machine, or they smell like spoiled milk, right, and this one dude, it's funny now, but I swear to God, man, it made me want to, you know, if I, if I would cry, it would make me want to cry, it was talking to somebody else how I smelled like spoiled milk. And I was clean a couple of years, man. You know, it was just fucking took me a while, man. Really did. It took me a while to understand that stuff and, and, um, and, and hurt and hurt. But, um, but I learned, you know, but I learned, man, you know, I learned. And, and, um, and I think that's, that's kind of a principle I've taken away from every, what everyone was speaking on this thing is like, I fucked up. I'm still fucking up and I'm going to fuck up in the, in the future haven't got it all 100 percent, but I am learning I'm trying to 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 be better and, uh, and there's a lot of hope in that and I love the, and, and Paul I'm really done with this one. I love the piece we're all fuck we're all missing parts man. We're all we all got some spare tires on our vehicle. love it. Some of us don't have a tire. we're just fucking living along with nothing but you know we get as we stay clear hopefully hopefully we got some spares on there at least so I love you folks. I'll pass. Yeah. We're not, this
6: is not, this is not like we get, we get good and then we're okay. That's not how we're all a work in progress. Every single one of us. So if you're listening to us, keep working, go to meetings, call your sponsor, keep working steps. And this new way of life will unfold. It's not a light switch. It's a dimmer. It will come on and you will be able to spread that to everyone else. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks.
0: Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.